intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. And here is your host of the show, Efren Guzman. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast, coming to you live from Twin Lakes, Wisconsin, where I blow up the news on a verbal scale. I am your host, Efren Guzman. My guest today is back once again. You've seen him wrestle in so many different promotions from the WWE, GWF, WCW, all, all from Japan. And he also has his documentary DVD, Behind the Mask, the story of Dale the Patriot Wilkes. Ladies and gentlemen, Dale Wilkes the Patriot. Welcome back, man. How you been? I'm doing good, Ephraim. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. Like I was telling you a little bit before, just dealing with snow every day, shoveling snow, and um, I, I don't miss the summer or the spring that much. Like I miss like the warm weather, but the bugs out here are insane. So like, the, as, as long as the snow kills them, I, I, I'm okay. But the shoveling part it just got me, man. How's everything in uh, South Carolina? Well, it's good, and I've not shoveled snow in years, <laughs> and maybe have shoveled snow three or four times in my life, so uh, that's one of the reasons I will never leave South Carolina. It's where I was born and raised, but the fact that I do not have to deal with snow or ice uh, very, very seldom is worth saying. Uh, do, do you miss, like, do you wear, like, big bubble jackets and, like, those big boots that people wear when there's snow? Like, do you even own a bubble jacket? No. no? I have no type of uh, <laughs> garment. I'll tell you a real quick story. Uh, you're talking about you being in Wisconsin when I went to work for the AWA. Now, this was over 30 years ago, probably 31 years ago, and I moved to Minneapolis, and I was actually living with Brad Ringens and uh, working for Vern and Greg Gagne. I was unaccustomed to that kind of weather. So I went to a local Sears uh, in, in uh, Minneapolis to buy a pair of snow boots because I was going to be there all throughout the winter. And uh, the lady that was helping me while I was trying to purchase some snow boots or all-weather boots, um, she asked me what I did. I said, I'm a professional wrestler. and said, I'm going to be traveling throughout Minnesota, the Dakotas, Wisconsin. She said, oh, dear. She said, you must have a survival kit with you when you travel. I said, a survival kit? She said, yes. She said, uh, you're going to be traveling some very harsh weather, and there could be times when you run off the road, and you may be stuck for 24, 36 hours before someone can get to you. And she said, you're going to need flashlight and canned foods and a can opener and batteries and <laughs> some blankets and I thought, oh, my God, what in the name of Jesus have I gotten myself into here? <laughs> and, uh, and it was horrible. It was a horrible experience for a boy from the South to have to drive and live and conduct life in that kind of weather. So when the opportunity arose for me to get back to South Carolina, I drove nonstop until I got back to Columbia. Well, nonstop, only to get gas. I mean, I stopped and got gas and kept going. I, uh, I couldn't wait to get back down south. Oh, um, <laughs> um, what's the biggest takeaway you could take from the Midwest? Like, you know, I know you was out here for a long time with the AWA from Minnesota and driving. Like, what's the biggest takeaway you could get out of the Midwest? Is it just, just like the weather? Yeah, that I don't want to live in that kind of weather under <laughs> no circumstances. There's nothing about that kind of weather that, um, you know, Minneapolis is a beautiful city in the springtime, in the summertime. But in the wintertime, uh, that part of the country is brutal. I don't want to have to live like that, and uh, I'm thankful that I've not had to live like that. But just for one winter that I spent in Minneapolis. <laughs> That's funny, man, because I was like that, too, because New York, you know, you know, New York, you get your seasons. You get your winter, spring, summer, fall. You get your winter, but 
you know, you probably have like a blizzard warning effect for like one night or one day, and then the next day everything is running back to normal. But here, it's like if the plow trucks don't come through the the you know the the roads and you don't clean out your own driveway, it's like you're pretty much like oh, it's it's, it's like you clean up your driveway, then it snows again, and you got to clean it up again, and you got to get a, you got to get a snow plow machine and and all these all these nook and cranny things you gotta you have to supply yourself with living in the Midwest, but. The snowfall here is just tremendous, man. It's tremendous. <laughs> well, I, uh, I admire you for being able to live through that, handle it, and navigate through it. But, um, you know, more power to you. I'm glad it's not me. Yeah. Well, um, more power to you, too, man. You know, you've been through so much in your life from wrestling to traveling back and forth to going living in Japan, wrestling in Japan, coming to the States. Um there's so much I'm saying, especially in your DVD, you talk a lot about it. You know, I don't know if, you know, it's still out there and people, if you don't know that he has a DVD, check that out. It's really good behind the mask. And, um, you go into depth about, you know, your upbringing and wrestling and, and whatnot. But, um, um, there's so much things that happen in your life, wrestling wise, personal wise. And also congratulations. I said it before you're a grandfather now, um, get, getting into that. How has, being a grandfather change your aspect in in the way you look at life. Do you look at it differently, or is it the same? Or you know, you could be a grandfather, then you know, all right, I, I'm I'm a grand I'm a grandfather. Here's a few gifts. All right, now you can go back home. Like, what? How's that changed life for you in a way? Well, in, in a very good way. Um, uh, I uh, I'm fortunate that both of my granddaughters, one's two, and the other will be three in a couple of days, are in the same town that I live in. They're just literally a few minutes from me. Wow. Uh, so I see them when I want to, and actually my oldest granddaughter, uh, whose name is Abigail, my younger granddaughter is named Garnet, mm -hmm. uh, but I see Abigail, uh, I mean, I, her mother uh, and uh, my ex-son-in-law uh, went through a divorce, so um, I help my uh, I help my daughter out a lot. She works and actually works a couple of jobs, and uh, so I keep Abigail uh, often, I mean several, several times a week. Oh, wow. And uh, I, I see both of my granddaughters on the weekend, but I've got my oldest granddaughter several times throughout the week. She stays at the house with us, and uh, just because of her mother's schedule and, and work commitment, and uh, so it's um, it just takes up like, a lot of time that I enjoy spending with them. I I feel lost when I'm not around them. I uh, I have an addiction to both of them, and I, I feel like I go through withdrawals when they're not around. I just want to spend every waking minute with them, and and. Uh, they're just such a pleasure to be around. I'm so fortunate to have them. Uh, it's been a blessing to watch my son uh, and his wife become parents and then watch my daughter uh, become a parent and, and how well they've done, both of them, uh, in, in raising these girls. And it's uh, it's also cut down my, my schedule. Um, you know, a lot of my weekends were spent doing appearances and things like that. But now that I uh, that time on weekends is spent with both of my granddaughters, uh, I've cut down a lot on what I was doing. I do very little anymore as far as going out and doing appearances. I would much rather be with those uh, with those two because I learned a lesson and I can't go back and change it. And I, I wouldn't have changed it. It was part of my job. It was part of my profession. But when I was in the business full time all those years, I missed so much of my kids. Uh, I was constantly on the road uh, working all over the world. And I just missed so much time with my kids. And uh, I want to make sure now that I've got a, another opportunity with grandkids. And every chance I've got to be with them, I'm with them. And uh, so that's led to me cutting back on a lot of things that I would do on weekends and going 
glad to do it, man. They're they're well worth the time investment. Oh, that's awesome. You know, like like you said, having grandkids change your perspective on life, and just like, wow, okay, you know, like, I, you know, your family's extended now, and being a granddad is cool. I'm I, I'm assuming, you know, I love. I know oh, you love, it is. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Will you do like the, you know how they have like those big wrestle cons? Like, would you do just like the big events, like the wrestle cons and whatnot? Like when they do those, um, the big events, you know? I, uh, if it, my philosophy has been for probably the last two years, if it requires me to spend the night out of town, I don't do it. Mm. Um, okay. I will do some local things here within the state where I can uh, maybe leave at, uh, you know, a certain part of the day. Uh, go do the appearance and be back and sleep in my bed that same night. But uh, over the last couple of years, if it's been a situation that's required me to spend the night or spend the weekend, I have done very little of that just because I would rather spend that time with those girls. And I'm not knocking those um, those events. I love them. I love doing them. I love being around the wrestling fans. But those two little girls are a little bit more important to me than that right now. So that's, uh, that's where my heart's at and where my body's at when – you know, on weekends um, for the last couple of years. Yeah. Speaking of body, how's your body been holding up? Have you been okay? Like, you know, any old wrestling wounds coming back, or you're pretty much healthy? You're pretty much good? No, I um, I have um, got to have my right knee replaced for the third time. Oh my god! In the last in the last six years, I, I had it replaced in. Actually, it was 2014, so it will, be, it will actually be the last five years. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have had it, had it replaced. The, the prosthetic knee broke. Mm-hmm. I had that uh, knee replaced. The second knee malfunctioned and broke. Mm-hmm. And now I've got to have it replaced again. And then I've got to uh, go back and have another surgery. About four years ago, I had my uh, uh, a partial fusion on my right wrist. But now I've got to go back in and have have it completely fused. So um, those two surgeries will will have done this year, and that will be uh, number seventeen and number eighteen uh, surgery, seventeen and eighteen. And uh, so, no, I, I still deal with the effects of all the years of football and wrestling. But um, you know, hopefully this year we'll be able to get those two issues straightened up. And I hope that this third knee replacement will be the charm and will work because, like I said, this will be the third in the last five years. Wow, man. Oh, man, I wish you all the luck in the world on getting that corrected. Oh, because it's got to be, you must be in pain every day then, right? Or is it manageable? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's difficult to walk at times. And uh, it's, uh, what has happened is, is with this second knee replacement, they literally, uh, you know, when they put the artificial knee in, uh, there's a, a rod that extends off that knee that is driven into your bone, uh, you know, from your, like your shin bone. Uh, or, or that bone beneath your knee, and it is that that rod is driven into that bone, and it's they use bone cement to actually adhere that rod to the bone to keep it from moving, and to give to give you stability with that uh, artificial knee or that. Uh, well, yeah, that artificial knee. Well, that rod has come loose inside my bone, and it's just literally floating around and causing bone erosion, and it's a very painful situation. And uh, I've canceled surgery once i had it set up and i've canceled it but um here in the next six months we'll have that replaced so yeah, it is somewhat bothersome oh uh, is it well is it from all the like you said all the wear and tear from football and wrestling but wrestling had more of an impact on it right it did but you know the, the, the doctor has told me that the, one of the reasons these two knee replacements have not worked and 
you know, I've had malfunction parts both times is uh, uh, just because, number one, you know, my size, I'm a big guy. I'm, you know, I'm 6'3", 270. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, too, I'm still very active. I still do a lot. I'm still on my feet a lot. I, you know, I um, one thing with, with young grandkids, they keep you busy. But just everything I do in life, I, I don't sit around much. I'm a very active person. And uh, he said, so that activity based just on my size, he said it just has lent itself to these uh, knee replacement not, not lasting very long. So I don't know. It, you know, if this one will be the charm, I hope so. I hope this one will last um, more than two years like the other two have. Wow, Dell. Well, I wish you, I wish you, I wish you, hopefully everything will be pain-free and you'll get the surgery, you know, before six months so you could be super active because I know the healing process takes a while, right? Yeah, it will. It'll be a, um, uh, about a six-week process before I can't put any pressure, you know, on that leg so I'll have to be off my feet or crutches, walk or whatever. So uh, that's always the toughest part. And once you get past that, can start doing some rehab and things start getting a little bit better. So, yeah, I'll be glad to get it done. Uh, get the rest done and get all that behind me. Awesome, awesome. Um, Del, I want to talk to you a little bit about wrestling. Um, I don't know if you follow the product now, but you know everything with um, women's women's being like the highlight of WWE now, being spotlighted in main events, women's tag team titles that happen. Um, what's your thoughts on the women's wrestling now? Um, more power to them. Um, yeah. They work. They work just as hard as the guys. They. Uh, uh, I think they've improved uh, the quality of women's wrestling. Uh, they're obviously, uh, I think, more athletic. Uh, it's just changed. It's evolved, yeah. as has you know, men's wrestling as well. Uh, yeah. But the women's wrestling has evolved quite a bit. But I'll have to be honest with you. I, uh, uh, while it has evolved and while they're doing a wonderful job, it's just, uh, uh, just not my cup of tea. And... Uh, uh, just being honest, that's just Bill Will speaking. Oh. I don't speak for I don't speak for everyone else, but uh, for me, I just uh, uh, I just it's just something that I prefer not to watch. Uh, oh, is there is there a particular reason why? I'm just curious. Well, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. And I'm you know probably gonna be called a chauvinistic pig for this, but uh, I, I enjoy the athleticism uh, mm-hmm. of what goes on in the ring. And, these ladies are—they're very athletic, but it's just—it's just not what I enjoy watching. I—I'm uh, gonna be honest with you—I don't enjoy watching much of it. Period. Men yeah. are women, and uh, but you know, uh, we got a great basketball program, women's basketball program here at the University of South Carolina. Yeah. Uh, two years ago, they won a national championship. They're always one of the top ten uh, women's programs in the country, uh, and so. Even even at that, it's just still difficult for me to to get into to that as much as I do the men's uh, the men's game, and uh, uh, it just seems to be a little slower, a little more plotting, um, uh-huh. you know. And that's just my honest opinion. Uh, so, um, are you are, are you not a fan of like the UFC when they have like the women's division, like where Ronda Rousey came from? Are you not a fan of that either? Well, I don't watch UFC. Oh, you don't watch UFC? Uh, okay. Nah, I, I can tell you one thing about UFC. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm probably a little unique in the sense that a guy that had a, a very good career in pro wrestling, once he's been out, has followed pro wrestling very little. I think I am probably, um, uh, you know, most of the guys that, that I 
or friends with in the business or still involved in some capacity. Most of them is still how they make their living. I got out of the business and I moved on. I put the business behind me. I still do the things like personal appearances and stuff like that. But as far as following the business and keeping up with it and being able to tell you what's going on, and uh, I, I, I don't follow it mm. that much. Yeah. Who who are your friends in the wrestling business? If you you know, I know there's a lot of acquaintance associates, but do you have like at least two or three core friends in the wrestling business that are still active? Um, not active no more, or active either or. Oh no, yeah, I still have a lot of friends uh, that are in the business that I I keep in contact with. Um, you know, I communicate with Sean Lawman. I communicate with Bagwell. I uh, I communicate with. Um, uh, George South, Tracy Smothers. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I communicate with uh, 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 Jackie Fulton, uh, Lord. You know, and I see these guys when I do appearances. I'll occasionally see these guys, and um, I, I've still uh, occasionally communicate with Steve Austin, yeah. uh, Stan Stan Hansen, Greg Gagne. So yeah, I've still got friends in the business that I communicate with. Uh, on quite a regular basis, but just as follow, just as far as following the business, I, I really don't. Uh, uh, it's just not. It's just not an enjoyable watch for me. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. You know, um, there's a lot of like wrestlers that come on on Steve Austin shows and give crazy stories that they've done. I never heard a crazy Del Wolf story. Do you have a crazy? wrestling story it could be related to like alcohol or some crazy booking or nothing like that do you have any insane wrestling story that you could tell me well i think i shared quite a bit of them with the two times i was on steve's podcast uh listen when you're when you're devouring about 200 pills a day um that that's crazy Uh, (laughs) you know when you're uh shooting up while your wife is driving you to the airport that's crazy. When you stuck a needle in your butt, your wife's in the driver's seat driving you to the airport, and you pull the needle out of your butt, and a big rooster tail of blood goes across and hits her in the face. That's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, I, uh, there's a lot of them. Uh, yeah. A lot of them on the road. Yeah. Uh, a lot of those I wouldn't want to share. I mean, you know, just sort of the adult nature of, of the things that happen. But, oh, yeah, I've, I've shared a bunch of crazy stories. But most of them, honestly, involve drugs, which yeah. uh, I'm glad all that's behind me. Yeah. You know, there's people that go to rehab and, and like, they're still hooked on the drugs. Like, you know, you you pretty much wasn't in rehab. You, like, stopped pretty much cold turkey, right? Like, there was no... Oh, issue. no. Yeah. No, I went, I went through rehab four times and then went yeah. to prison. Uh, I got a rap sheet about six pages long, uh, close to 30 arrests, all dr- not all drug offenses, but yeah. the majority of them, are, you know, several assault arrests and for fighting and things like that. So, no, no, it took me years to overcome the addiction that I had and uh, four trips to rehab, probably two dozen trips to jail and eventually a trip to prison yeah. and uh, for all that. But having said that, all that was... Uh, I walked out of prison on, let's see, Valentine's Day in 2003. So that was 16 years ago. So all that's been in my rearview mirror for a long time now. Wow. You see, you're a totally different person from the way you are now to the way you are then. Totally different now, though. It's just insane. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, when you're you're hooked on drugs and you're, you're dealing with that addiction, your life is out of control. And it's just not the fact that you're on drugs and you're buying drugs. But every aspect of your life is out of control. 
uh, you know, uh, of that over six-page rap sheet I got, there were several arrests for assaults and assault and battery and, and you know, fighting and hurting people and beating people up and sending people to a hospital. And so every aspect, uh, you know, driving convictions, driving without a license, driving under suspension, it's more than just drug arrests. It's, uh, it affects every aspect of your life. And uh, so, you know, there comes the over, you know, six pages of, of, of a horrible record rap sheet. Yeah. Yeah, but it's 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 crazy how, you know, a lot, a lot of people will stay in that same boat, but you definitely turned your life around and, you know, you know, you found the Lord and, you know, you're doing right by your family and you know, you you know, you're a, a regular average Joe as they say now, you know, and just living life to the fullest and, you know, doing your regular 9 to 5, right? How is how is that like do you ever reflect back and just realize like the person you was back then and the person you are now? You like Holy crap! What what the freak was I doing back then? Like, do you oh, in hindsight? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. You better believe it, man. I uh, I'll, uh, I I do that quite regularly. I think reflection is good to to see where you've come from and and uh, to realize what a mess my life had become. Um, I uh, I'll always be associated with you know college football here in the state of South Carolina. I'll always be associated with professional wrestling. I'll always be the patriot. Uh, you know, all those things are associated with my life, but there's a lot of that uh, that I'm glad that, you know, that, that's over with and no longer a part of my life. And, you know, having to wake it up in jail and having to go to a bond hearing and having to, you know, attorney fees, man, and just the money that cost me and just having to, you know, try to stay out of prison. And, right, they waking up. Yeah. And I, you know, waking up and all yeah. in a hotel room and not knowing how you got there and not knowing what your vehicle's at, and, uh, just crazy stuff like that. So yeah, I'm glad all that's over and done and behind me, and I uh, I can live a normal life and be a, a good father to my kids and be a good grandfather to my granddaughters and be a good son and a good brother and and uh, just be an average person. Yeah. Um, going back to wrestling, I remember watching you in the AWA and when you and DJ Peterson won the tag team titles. Do you have any good DJ Peterson stories? You know, I, I don't. DJ and I uh, worked together a very long time. Yeah. Um, he was a good guy. We, we, we traveled probably together maybe four or five months. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, DJ was a pretty calm guy. He didn't do a lot of crazy stuff out on the road. Uh, or really not anything crazy that I can think of. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a good guy. I loved it. You know, loved his kids. Loved his, uh, loved the business and, and had high hopes of having a long career. And unfortunately, all that ended way too soon. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like, you know, I remember watching it. You two were together. It was, you know, it was like a makeshift tag team, but then, it, I don't know, there was something about the chemistry of you guys. Like, I thought, you know, it would have been cool, you know, if, you know, it, it would have lasted a while, but uh, for, for the time it was there, you guys were great. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, the company that we worked for was just really struggling to stay alive, and uh, there was barely a pulse by the time we got to the AWA, and uh, unfortunately, you know, it eventually they just flatlined and went belly up, belly up, and went out of business but still it was a great experience for me a good learning time very very early in my career and uh any chance to work with Vern and Greg uh was good and helpful and taught me a lot so I've always been grateful for that time 
Yeah. Any question? Is there any talks of having a, a new Patriot action figure? You know, WWE is bringing these legend figures. They're making new figures. Any talks of your figure being produced again or something? Uh, I've not talked with anyone concerning that. Uh, again, when uh, uh, when I got out of the business, I mean, I got out of the business, and so it's been. The last time I talked to anybody in the WWE was years ago. I talked to Howard Finkel. Yeah. Um, uh, occasionally, but that's been years ago. Uh, I mean, I still get royalty money from them yeah. uh, every quarter, but as far as just uh, knowing someone in the WWE, talking to someone in the WWE about anything that concerns me or any action figures or anything at all, yeah, uh, yeah no, I've, I've had no conversations with anyone about that. Yeah, this may be a sore subject to talk about, but how about any... You've been hearing about like Tom Brandy still doing the Patriot gimmick and different independent tours. Are you still doing that? Yeah, I'm sure he is. Uh, it doesn't seem to be quite as much. I don't hear quite as uh, many stories about it anymore. And uh, again, uh, I was evidently good for Tom's career. Um, yeah. And my story's never changed on that. That's just a, a, a pathetic, sad case of a of a guy that had to pretend to be somebody else and still occasionally does. And, uh, you know, and, and totally takes on my persona. Um, I was at a, I was at an, an event, uh, late. Oh, sometime last year, uh, I did, uh, do an event and, uh, uh, I think we were in right outside of Pittsburgh, maybe. And we were in a, uh, um, a big, uh, wrestling memorabilia shop. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw a couple of my action figures hanging up, and uh, I noticed they'd been autographed, but I knew that it wasn't my handwriting. Oh, my God. And, uh, so, yeah, the guy that owned the uh, shop told me that Brandy had signed them. Oh. And uh, so, yeah, so, you know, the, he even carries it that far that he'll sign action figures of me and put his name on it. But, you know, listen, that's his sad, pathetic story. I, I was able to have a productive career and, and, and one on a character that I was able to, to get over with the fans and uh, I didn't have to drag on somebody else's coattail. So that's on him. Yeah. And it, it says a lot because, you know, a lot of mass wrestlers are Mexican wrestlers from like the Lucha Libre and, and whatnot. But you, as, 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 as an American-made USA, the Patriot, as, you know, as, as, a, you know, as a Caucasian man who's, who's in a mask, you made the Patriots so successful in all the promotions you've been in. It's 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 you know it's a, it's definitely a, a testament to you because you know Tom Brandy could be the Patriot, but he's not the Patriot. You know everybody knows that. You know, and it's just like um, the Patriot. Does that hold a special place in your heart to this day? Like like do you have? I know you, you know there's good and bad memories in the wrestling business, but the gimmick itself, the Patriot, does that have a good special place in your heart? Oh, absolutely. It, it, it was what defined my career. Yes. Uh, you know, obviously, I, I worked as a trooper for a couple of years, but it was the Patriot that, that uh, you know, allowed me to work all over the world and popularity all over the world and and uh, make money all over the world and, and, and make a lot of it all over the world. So it was a, it was a defining thing for my career, and uh, I'm glad to be associated with it, to have been a part of it, to have been able to take it and literally take it all over the world and uh it was uh it'll always be uh, a part of my life always and it still is i you know still sell a lot of stuff with my uh uh with the patriot on it and uh, off our website and, 
so you know it's it's been very good to me very very thankful for it and always will be a very appreciative that joe Bettacino and bonnie blackstone came to me with that idea yeah. uh, a number of years ago yeah. do you how, how many masks do you still own do you still own a, a, a large amount of patriot gear like do you still have a large amount i still got a good bit uh you know over the years um some of it I gave away. Uh, some of it I sold. <laughs> some of it, uh, you know, the mask. I never kept a lot of the mask. The guy that made my mask for me um, uh, was um, he was 16 years old at the time, and I was he approached me and uh, when I was working in Japan, um, as a Japanese guy, and uh, at 16 years of age, he approached me in a hotel lobby in uh, Osaka, Japan, and asked if he could make a mask for me. And he was a big Patriot fan, and uh, so he made a mask and brought it back, brought it to me maybe a week later while we were still in Japan. And from that point on, he was the guy that made all my masks, all my outfits, and uh, the only thing, he never charged me for a thing. The only thing that he asked in return is after I had worn a mask and uh, for a, maybe a year or two, and he made me a bunch of them, is that I just autograph them and give, him, give them back to him. He had a wrestling memorabilia shop in Tokyo, and he would sell them out of that. And uh, but uh, he's—I uh, still got several. Uh, I keep those for uh, you know the sake of my kids and grandkids having something for me to mm-hmm. pass on to them that was a part of my wrestling career. So I'll never get rid of those. But uh, that young man is now you know got a business that reaches all over the world. He. He makes all the Rey Mysterio stuff. He always has. He makes stuff for the overwhelming majority of the wrestlers in Mexico. He even does stuff uh, for movies. And so he's got a business that just is, is blown up and become big time global. And uh, But I was the first person that he ever made one one thing for. And uh, so I'm very appreciative of that as well. Wow. That's honestly the first time I heard that story. That's amazing. I had no idea. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He was a 16-year-old kid basically and uh, approached me in a hotel lobby in japan and made a single mask for me and i liked it so good it was so much thinner than what i'd had made mm-hmm. here in the states it stretched it fit it breathed i could see better out of it it was more easy to wash and maintain they lasted longer and uh you know from that very first one he made i never used another person for a, for any of my gear and uh and now you know his business has grown to literally all over the world yeah. Well, as we're winding down, um, you know, we're, we're almost running out of time. But um, what's what? What was your most unforgettable moment in the wrestling ring? Wow, it's hard to put a, a finger on one of them. I, I think one of the earliest ones uh, that gave me an idea that maybe I was onto something and in the right business and, and had an opportunity to have a good career. A moment that stands out for me is when I was working for Vernon Greg Gagne in the AWA as the trooper. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a simple house show, simple spot show, actually, in Jamestown, Minnesota, uh, North Dakota. Uh, and I'm working with Harley Race, main event. And uh, Harley puts me over. And uh, even though it was just a spot show, the only people that saw that were those people in attendance that night. But I felt like, wow, if Harley Race and Vern Gagne and Greg Gagne have enough confidence in me that uh, Harley's willing to put me over clean then maybe they think I've got a chance here. And then, of course, you know, the very first night of doing the Patriot gimmick is a big special night for me and one that I'll always remember. And then 
so many wonderful memories in Japan of great matches and working with guys like Kabashi and Masawa, Baba and Hanson. And then, of course, you know, the deal with Brett in, um, in WWF at yeah. the time. And, of course, the great things Bagwell and I did in WCW. So it's hard to pinpoint just one specific mm-hmm. moment. There's just a whole career full of them. Gotcha. Um, what is your own personal motto, though? Things will change. Um, time changes everything. When I was going through the worst, most difficult times in my life, uh, I knew that if I could just get through it six months down the road, things wouldn't be the same. A year down the road, things wouldn't be the same. When I was sitting in the South Carolina uh, Department of Corrections facility uh, for almost a year, I knew that if I could put that time behind me and get my life cleaned up, straightened up, I knew that things would change, that they weren't always going to be bad. I knew that if I just kept pressing, if I just kept working, if I just put one foot in front of the other, as simplistic as that may sound, but that things would change and life would get better. So you just keep pressing, you just keep moving forward, and you never know what life's got in store for you. Um, anything else you'd like to add, Dell? before I let you go? Anything else you'd like to add? Well, uh, any, any and everyone that's listening uh, can go to our website, uh, com, and that's D-E-L, DellThePatriotWilks.com, and can pick up any of our merchandising from the DVD to the shirts to the mask, uh, action figures, cards, whatever we've got on the website. And also to any appearances or dates that we're going to have, they'll be posted on there as well. So anything you want to know about what we're doing, where we're going to be, or what we've got on the website, you can access it all through the website at DellThePatriotWilks.com. Dell, thanks for taking the time to speak to me. It's been a few years. I'm glad you're doing okay, and congratulations on being a grandfather, and best wishes for you, my friend. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Not a problem. And I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one, folks.